welcome to the Breaking Wax Podcast. All right, welcome back to season two of the Breaking Wax Podcast. Uh, so the first episode, I have Brian, uh, also known as Hitting Touchdowns on Instagram. I'm very excited about today's podcast. He's a good, I would say, uh, what, Instagram friend. I, we haven't <laughs> met, met in real life yet, right? But uh, I know, I know. We've got to remedy we will. that. No, we will, for sure. Um, so welcome. I'm, I'm glad to have you on. Don, thanks for having me, man. This is uh, this is great fun. This is great fun. I love uh, listening to the podcast and, you know, like you said, getting to listen to, you know, friends, Instagram friends and, uh, you know, those who I've been lucky enough, fortunate enough to meet in real life. And I know that it's not going to be long before we all we all get to get together soon. I think, you know, we we started that Well, we were all in that group chat before COVID and then kind of yep. COVID happened and then. I've been fortunate to meet some of the people from that original group chat, and then, uh, and then that group chat kind of disappeared, fell <laughs> <until laughs> apart. But uh, that's okay. And you know, the weirdest part of that group chat was the person that started it. I think left first. I think that's the speed of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then I don't, you know, and then. But uh, please uh, tell me, tell me, and I guess the listeners a little bit about. Well, Don, thanks again for having me on. I think this is uh, this is great fun. And so, yeah, I'm I'm Brian Conscious. Um, in real life, I'm a lawyer. I'm a plaintiff's employment lawyer. So I try to help people when they're uh, getting screwed by their employers. So, you know, do a lot of cases with discrimination, harassment, um, you know, executive compensation, stuff like that, non-compete. So that's, you know, by day, my uh, Clark Kent persona is stuffy lawyer. Um, by night, I get to uh, get a little drunk, open cards, and um, <laughs> shoot the shit with you guys. So, uh, you know, all in all, I try to keep it well-rounded and then, you know, run the uh, run the razor's edge on our uh, Instagram with, uh, you know, being kind of uh, goofy and irreverent, but also knowing that, you know, I do a lot of this with my kids. So. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> No, and that's what, uh, you know, I didn't think about it, and it's kind of late, but maybe next time we can have E on, too. Oh, um, man. If, he, if he's up for it. Oh, he'd be a thousand percent in. You, you would probably get a, a surprise appearance from Gibby, too, but, uh, you know, he's he's uh, he's pure gold. So, you know, he'd, get, he'd, he'd bump the ratings no matter what. Absolutely. I, so I'm uh, – not that I don't, I don't have the time. Like, so people have asked me to do, like, the video podcast, too, or – Actually, I like the traditional just me talking to somebody, somebody you know, doing the whole video thing because then it's like editing and all this other stuff that goes with it. But yeah. uh, I do, I do want to mention that Brian is the official Breaking Wax. Uh, <laughs> That's right. I'm on retainer. I'm, I, I feel like we've got a good number on retainer right now. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's going good. good. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think we were going to talk about this, but certainly, uh, have you been following what's going on with that Pokemon box or the case, I guess, the sealed case? Oh, my God. Yeah, I have. I don't know how you couldn't if you're if you're playing in right. what we're doing right now. Right. I, you know, I think I took a pause only for today to see, uh, see. So I don't know if I'm up to the latest, but the last I saw was Logan Paul had sent something out that said, hey, I'm going to BBCE. I'm going to fly to Chicago and we're going to get to the bottom of this case. So it sounds right, like, right. sounds like they're going to open it and then authenticate the boxes. But I mean, man, oh man, what a, um, what an interesting 
little situation that, you know, when you start looking into, and I think the reason you brought it up is probably because we've seen so much of it happening. I, I mean, I would say in the last six months, like, you know, the, the chest thumping litigation, um, yep. threatening, you know, I got money and I'm going to crush you, you know, nonsense that, uh, yeah. that, you know, just kind of, uh, to me, you know, there's a lot of deal with it all the time but like god man what why do we have to see that every day it's a i know and we're you know we're talking about you being a lawyer you mentioned your background and it made me think of it was uh i simply asked logan paul the other people involved even the guy that made the uh the youtube videos he said he didn't have time this week if they wanted to come on the podcast right that's that's it yeah i saw your Um, i saw your post and, uh, and it's funny because I actually had a couple people reach out to me that were like, be careful, threatening to see people. And I was like, what's he going to sue me for? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I, I haven't done anything. I'm just asking if they want to come on the podcast. And uh, I don't, you know, and I don't know much about that stuff. But I, yeah, you're right, though. People are quick to be like, I will sue you for everything and anything. And I'm like, what is it? Def- defamation? Is that yeah. Weird? Right. So yeah. they're, they're throwing that out. And I'm like. Uh, you got a couple thousand followers on Instagram. I'm not really sure what damages you're suffering because you didn't check a box. Uh, I know. I don't I know, know what business you have. Oh, and the funny thing about Logan Paul thing, right? So the is it Rattle Pokemon? I think yeah. that's his account. I think that's he, right. You know, he clearly through all his uh, emails and things and his research that he did for his YouTube videos, he put that uh, BBC doesn't guarantee or ensure right that their authenticity of the boxes right and logan and logan paul wrote you know since it's insured by i think he just misquoted or wrote what he put out but uh it's gonna be interesting next week for sure i i hope they do it live that I would hope be that i hope the rattle pokemon guy gets invited i don't see why he wouldn't i mean if it was me i would invite him you know uh, what i mean a thousand percent a thousand percent you don't lose anything by having him involved at this point right i mean you can make yourself look (laughs) as my kids would say sus by uh by doing it you know behind closed doors i mean i you know the people who are losing face because people are challenging the authenticity of it or questioning it um you know however you want to look at it right i mean they they've already taken their lumps i mean you know it's not going to get worse you know if it if it turns out i mean you're gonna have to own up to it somehow or another or you know you're gonna be a part of a massive cover-up that's not going to be okay and somebody you know somebody somebody will fail in that um in that way but um no I'm, I'm with you i i think the transparency aspect of it is key sort of all the way around but especially yeah. in this instance yeah it's it's the hobby is you know since i've jumped back into it the last few years I, i've noticed that transparency part of it is not always uh that great with people and i and I've talked about it before, not, not in the, like, this is a separate instance, but like, even like people that do the repacks, right. Um, I, I want to meet these people buying into these repacks where they're like one, you get one chance at a $500 slab, but there's like 50 slabs and they're $300 a piece. And like, there's raw cards in those repacks. And I'm like, who is paying for these things? Oh, I know. 
I know. It's crazy. Like you're the ROI is like you have a better chance of thinking of getting scratchers at the gas station. Man, I'll tell you, it's you know that was an interest. The repacks are an interesting thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we did one a couple years ago around the holiday time, where I, you know Everett was like, "Hey, let's do this, Dad," and I can't tell you the amount of time I spent putting those things together so that people would get, you know, really we did it so that people would get above their value through the whole thing, right? Like if we got something for a deal or we pulled something, you know, it was going to go in there and give them to hit some really wonderful stuff. You know, there was some really big stuff and then there was some, you know, great stuff. There wasn't any jank and, It took a lot of work, and uh, you know, I, I think some of the pro- some of the repacks, you know, you've seen it, we've seen it, you know, some of those original ones, you know, caused some of the initial uh, legal threat drama that oh, we yeah. saw in our space. <laughs> but I think, um, I think, oof. like, and out of the people that do them, I, you know, Garrett with uh, Central Valley. He's always up front with what's inside, what the least amount, uh, the small, you know, the least amount pack's going to be your last place. So he's always up front, but his are always, I feel like are a great deal. Um, but I'm with you. Like I, I got into doing them just because the amount of stuff I was grading, Yeah. but I, I, I could not have a clear conscience or sleep at night knowing that I gave someone, I had someone pay $200 and I gave them a $50 slab. So I always guarantee the value of the pay-in. And then even for me, like I just did a cheap $35 CSG one just so people could get those slabs in their hands. So for 35 bucks, I did a, a gem mint nine, five and a nine. Yeah. And, the, and then even the people that uh, I gave everyone an extra slab just because I, in my mind, I was like, I don't want anyone to feel like they got ripped off. At no. all. I, you know what I mean? Like tremendous is absolutely yeah. tremendous. No. And I, mean, that's, I, I'm with you on that because you know, Garrett, I, you know, I buy into Garrett's, I'll tell you that they, you know, I, I think there is value from top to bottom in his yes. there, and, you know, I, I never hit anywhere near the top in his, but I, I will buy in every time. And I have every time left thinking, Hey, you know what, man, I can't believe this card fell to me. And right. it, uh, it's tremendous. And then there are other times where I watch other people and I'm like, you know, I wonder, and I've never once thought, boy, I really should have joined that one. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know? No, I think, I think Garrett, I unfortunately got last place twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's about the speed of it with me. But, you know, I've walked away with a BGS 9-5, you know, Trey Young, red, white, and blue rookie, you know, or, you know, something like an Akeem Olajuwon, 8-5, BGS, 86 Fleer, you know, like some really – fun stuff you know that that works perfectly for me but um man i i'm with you i'm with you the so uh did, the repacks are tough so have you have you done a podcast or anything like hobby related like this before you know mostly you know what mostly we just have hop, we've hopped on some of the lives and you know done some right. of the lives with uh with others and you know put them up on Instagram or done other things. So I don't think I have, you might be my uh, podcast cherry for the hobby. Nice. nice. I think yeah. That, yeah. I'm, you know, <laughs> I, I know I've done it in legal circles, but for the hobby, this, this might be it. 
Nice, nice. I appreciate that. I'm, well, I'm happy to be your first, as they say. I'll tell you, man. As as we get older, you know, I I appreciate a first. They they're fewer and farther between. They, oh man, I don't even want to get into that. But yeah, for <laughs> sure. How, how old are you, by the way? You I'm 43. I'm 43, 43, creeping up on 44. Yeah, it's tough. Be 40 this year, right? Yep. And um. So that means I've I've been twenty twice now, right? Yep, uh, <laughs> exactly. When you put it into that perspective, it's like, geez, where'd the time go? But so, I guess what I, what I'm leaning into is, uh, did you collect cards as a kid as well? Oh my God, yeah. As a kid, collect. I loved collecting cards. Loved, loved collecting cards. And you know, really, it was probably it's probably my first job. You know, two of my very best buddies in the world. You know, we would, we collected cards, we convinced, you know, more often than not, my mom to drive us to shows. We started, you know, buying tables and setting up at shows and selling things. And I mean, that was really my first job. And we did it. I mean, we did it for years. And it was always funny because we'd, you know, we'd tip my mom, we'd pay for gas you know, for taking us and do that kind of shit. And we had, um, we had a blast. I mean, we grew up in the junk wax era, right? So, right. you know, uh, I remember vividly the card show that I was at. Everybody had discovered the fuckface error for Billy Ripken in the 89 Fleer, Ooh. right? Like, it was wild. Like, all of a sudden, like, there's this little buzz and there's people who are just going and, like, scooping up as much as they can of the of the Donruss right or Fleer right. Right. and um and and I remember sort of taking that in and just you know really being like holy cow and all of a sudden this card as is being pulled is you know being sold and traded for a hundred dollars a hundred and fifty dollars and this is what you know this is 89 and then you know you're just like holy smokes what's what's going on here and i thought that was just you know the greatest thing ever you know error cards the you know 89 uh, upper deck dale murphy reverse negative the you know gary sheffield with the upside down ss for his rookie card you know like mm. I, that's stuff I remember, you know, so clearly as a kid and also, you know, collecting rookies and, and trying to right. figure out who the next big thing is, which is, you know, what we do today. I mean, what, what half the time, uh, you know, around Bowman draft release and, you know, Bowman right Chrome is spent in our chats, right? I mean, it's oh, like, yeah. who's, who's our prospect, you know, who's our list. And, and you know, you get, you get some good debate and you got a couple guys that, do some real work trying to figure out who's who and who's what and where you're going to put your money. And I, uh, uh, it's crazy. Tremendous. So did you open a lot of Bowman Chrome or draft? Did you open any draft? I opened zero draft just now. I've, I've opened none. Uh, I just kind of sat back and watched this one, this one will oh. buy. So the last year and a half or so, and, I, and I've said it a lot on the podcast, it's, it's kind of tough with the prices, right? Um, I was, I was talking to Brandon earlier today, actually, because um, he opened half a case of Supers and got nothing even worth talking about. And, you know, and I'm like, would that run you? And he, you know, he said it was like 26, almost close to three grand. Right. And I was like, right. I'm out. I, I know I was I was sketched out on opening Supers when they were 400 bucks two years ago. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to open any for 800 bucks. And 
the thing is, is whoever you're looking for, you could probably, if you wait a month, you might be able to get some decent color singles. Now, not any of the top guys, of course, right. but, but, you know, you got to kind of pick and choose. And I, I did open a bunch of Chrome um, just because of the prospect list was unbelievable. Did it was you open any Chrome? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I got a big handful of dog shit from Chrome this year. Uh, it was <laughs> my, my run of Chrome could not have been worse. I mean, I might've gotten a Christian Hernandez base autograph. Maybe, maybe the rest of them were pitchers that I think have since had their arms fall off. It was awful. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't have any uh, great luck either. I did for whatever reason, I got a Tovar base and then I saw someone listed him as a, a sneaky prospect. And then uh, for whatever reason, I, I kind of attached to Kevin made, he's a, a Cubs yeah. shortstop prospect. Right. And, uh, and I saw Ghost uh, KD posted in this. There's like this Bowman Chrome group chat mm-hmm. that Kevin Kevin made was one of his sneaky guys. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll go after this guy. So I, I have a ton of color in Kevin made, and then I bought like a red shimmer from Brandon, of course, of uh, course, a PSA ten ten. Um, and it's funny, I got it from him, and then literally he was like, "What do you know about this guy that I don't know?" And I was like, "Literally nothing. I just got right. him in a. I got him in a box, and I thought, oh, this is the guy.' Yeah, and he was this like, is my guy. Someone DM'd him that day and was like." I think Kevin made is extremely underrated. Why is nobody <laughs> nobody on this guy? And then there was an article where Kevin made, I guess, uh, bumped Ed Howard in the lineup. Like yeah. he's ahead on he's ahead as a shortstop prospect. Yep. And uh, and Brandon was just like, "How do you do this?" I'm like, "I'm I'm literally not doing anything. It's like the stupidest luck in the world." <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. But I'll tell you, like Kevin Dan Kevin Daniels KD uh, Ghost, I I'll follow his uh, prospecting list to the moon, man. Oh, me too. Tremendous. It's me tremendous too. the amount of work he puts into it too. So I, I no, I'm with you. But um, you I don't know, know it's how funny. Time. I don't either. I don't know. Not even a little bit. But I think uh, I, I won't question it. I'll just I'll just take my good luck to know the man. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's another one with a, a legal background as well. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's, it's good it's to crazy. know good to know the guys you don't want to use us but it's always good to know some of us oh yeah absolutely Absolutely. (laughs) that's like uh and and we're i mean we we talk through the group chats but uh i haven't had to reach out to you for any of that stuff and i and i would i'm not shy um but it's funny (laughs) it's funny my but one of my best friends i grew up with his wife is a disease specialist doctor right and uh Mm -hmm. i never ask her anything because even when we're there visiting them or seeing them when we go back home, the amount of people calling and texting her getting like free medical advice is absurd. Really? It's- so I just, I just feel like I'm like, I feel bad. You know, I know these people and I'm like, I don't want to abuse those friendships, even though they're always like, please call me. If you have anything, call me. And I'm like, you know, I, I, you know yeah. we mean it too. Right. I mean, we do. And that's the, uh, that's the cool part about, um, about this group, you know, I can, I can say it for, you know, the people that we hang with, um, you know, everybody who has ever once said, Hey, you know, reach out. If you need something, I gotcha. If you're, you know, if you're in town, let's go get a beer or go get a bourbon or whatever, which is probably what you hear me pouring right now. But, um, the nice, nice. What'd you pick up? What'd you pick up? I just, I just did a cheap, uh, I like Glenn Fittick. So nice. Uh, 12. 
You, oh man, you can't you can't apologize for good stuff. That's good stuff. I, right there. I like I like the fifteen is my jam, but I, I got so fortunately for me I can shop at the military uh alcohol store and it's oh you're rocking at the px that's nice (laughs) it's really it's it's really cheap yeah that's a win that's a win i love it what am i drinking here i've got uh oh you know what this is pinhook bourbon which uh pinhook pinhook this is i actually found this when i was at the national this year i was sitting at a bar um I think, God, what was I doing? Was I waiting for J. Rue or we had just got together? Or maybe it was the place we were at. And then I went back there later to grab a bite to eat. And uh, the bartender, she poured me this delicious bourbon. And I was like, oh, shit, I got to find that. And they don't sell it in Michigan. So I had to do a little scouring and shuffling to get some sent to me. But, yeah, this uh, everything ties back. It's the, it's the six degrees of uh, mm-hmm. the hobby or something, right? It all ties back to uh, – to sports cards so you know it does it's uh as big as the world is it can be really small at times uh oh it's crazy it is um just connecting the dots and meeting people and talking to people um but so what what was that one called i i uh i've never really drank bourbons my buddy left some buffalo trace here uh oh really but, yeah before i was gone on so i was gone for six months and well I you were cleaning to... up that massive mess in savannah man i was um and then i got back and i was like hey i forgot my buddy scotty left this uh bourbon here and i drank it and i was like damn this is actually really good but i i, I don't know a lot about bourbons but i guess you can't just walk in the store and buy that one you know, no, there, it, it depends where you're shopping and it okay. depends if you know the owner. Sometimes those will be tucked behind the counter, which is always, it's you. always, always nice to get the wink, the nod, and then the, uh, the, the low grab. So <laughs> I, I, I guess with the, I didn't, I didn't know this either. I just found this out recently. I guess with bourbons and stuff like that, stores do like raffles. Oh yeah. There's like mm-hmm. a, raffle, a raffling process and uh, your name on the list. And so. Well, sometimes, you know, they, they can't, you know, some of the stores, depending on, you know, how they are structured, right. You know, with, uh, with states that have red dot stores, you know, you've got, you've got sort of the price is set for your liquor, right. Right. So if they get an allocation of Pappy or something that's super rare, super hard to come by, you know, they have to sell it for the, you know, suggested retail price. Right. So, you know, where the person who, you know, wins that raffle, you know, can quadruple or more, probably more than that for some of those bottles, you know, immediately just by winning the raffle. And so that, you know, that's, that's why they send those, set those things in that way. Hmm. It's kind of interesting. So there's like a secondary market for alcohol. Oh, hell yeah. I didn't know that. Well, I mean, I I know beer because, you know, being in the military guys are always talking about like, getting beers shipped from different parts of the country yep. so yeah but. no it's big man i mean i'll tell you like I, one of my one of my other passions is wine and well i guess just drinking probably but um <laughs> <laughs> but well i really like wine and so you know i know the secondary market on there and you know no pricing on that but when you get some of these rare bourbons in hand holy smokes you know you're talking uh you're talking some of the, uh, you know, you're talking 51, 51 Bowman mantles, 52 <laughs> tops wow. mantles. You know, I mean, you're talking about really incredible, incredible prices on some of this stuff. 
Wow. I, yeah, I don't, I'm going to have to, maybe not today, but a different day, pick your brain on some wine because I don't drink wine at all. And I feel like every time I have a glass of red wine, I go to sleep. So, hey, you know what? So, as long as you know what it, as long as you know where it'll get you, nothing <laughs> wrong with that, man. <laughs> I, I, I'll take, uh, I'll take sleep any day. I don't get enough of it, as I'm sure you don't. No, never. Um, no. <laughs> I, I don't ever sleep. I don't know. My, I've gotten a little more sleep since I, uh, I'm done with school, but between work, um, the kids, and then just extracurricular activities, I, I think I, I probably average like four hours of sleep a night. Yeah, I've been, I've been forcing myself to try to at least be I don't know, maybe in bed for six hours, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. So if, if it happens, I'll get six hours, but you know, my whole life, I've never slept much. You know, I always, I, I am a morning person and a night person. I really, the middle of the day is not my favorite. I feel like we're not really a, a civilized <laughs> country. If we, uh, if we don't have siestas, I'm, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for that to get put on the, uh, the agenda for our, our um our politicians someday <laughs> you know this is like a completely separate but I, since you brought it up like i feel like with so much technology nowadays and people have two screens three screens um not including their phones and stuff like i i think productivity is actually up right and i don't think there's any need for an eight-hour work day at all actually Do you know what i Listen, you know, the set schedule, I think, is something that uh, is is making its way away. Right. I, I just saw an article where, oh, my God, I'm going to totally botch this. So any fact checkers out there are, you know, they're going to they're going to bring their their guns out and threaten me for uh, getting it wrong. But it was a young young politician or prime minister or something like that. And I want to say it's in like a Swedish, Norwegian, some like Scandinavian country who just put out like a bill or a thought that was like, Hey, we're doing away. We're going to do four day work weeks and we're going to do six to eight hour, you know, six hour work days and yada, yada, yada. Um, And I think that's interesting, but I'll, I'll tell you, you know, more often than not in, you know, what we see sort of in employment law. And one of the things I do a lot of is sort of law and technology as a part of an ABA group, American Bar Association group that I'm part of, you know, we've looked at, you know, the technology in the workplace to, you know, to your point is, you know, where does, you know, what do we use? What is the assist, uh, assistive technology that helps us be more efficient or to right. work on schedules that work for us and our brains and our bodies and, you know, sometimes our profession. So, you know, I think this pandemic has also enlightened the universe into uh, mm-hmm. how to accomplish stuff when you're not uh, sitting at a desk. And I, I, I'm with you. I think we're going to see, and we should, I mean, I think we should see a lot of changes that um, allow flexibility that may increase productivity. Not everybody, not everybody's going to do better, you know, being at home, right. I, you know, but no, you I'm know, horrible I, at home. I'm horrible at home. I'm horrible oh, at home. No, no. I'm, easily distracted. I'm with you. I do not. I do not like it. I do not do very well. I like to have all the shit I need right there with me. Um, you know, and I, I like to have my setup just so, but um, I know that. And so I know when I work at home, you know, it's few and far between and I know what I need to do and I know how to get myself to do it. But, you know, 
if employers figure it out, they'll, uh, they'll go ahead and figure out how to, uh, get the most out of employees and then, uh, move on from the ones that aren't going to get there. You know, it's, I don't know. Anyways, yeah. we're far afield. We're far afield from baseball cards. Maybe we should talk we about employees <laughs> of, uh, of, of tops. I'm, you know, I haven't heard anybody call me and say, Hey, I got fired as uh, we're joining fanatics. It seems like they're bringing over, um, all of, or the significant majority of the employees, which is kind of a cool thing in this acquisition that we've been listening to, uh, so much about. Yeah. It seems like everything is pointing to nothing's going to change. Um, it's going to be ops normal, except for now we'll get tops, Chrome football and basketball back, that which, would everyone, be... which they haven't said, but I think that's what everybody's hoping and praying for. Oh, they'd be fools not to. And Josh is, uh, you know, he's of that, he's of that ilk. He loves those cards. So, I mean, I don't yeah. see, I don't see any way that that does not happen with uh, Josh at the helm for the, uh, for the sports cards uh, piece in fanatics at all. So that's uh it's kind of great fun to see that coming to me, you know, a little sad for tops as their IPO went to shit and they got acquired for a lot less than they would otherwise be worth. But um, it definitely went to shit. Oh my God. It's tremendous to see the brand continue though. It is. And I, so what, what's your opinion? Do you think uh, Panini is going to go away? No or way. What, they can do, what, what can they do though with when they lose all them licenses in what, five years, right? Well, Panini's got five years to make. What What did they make last year? Like five, four, 300 to $400 million or something. Right. I mean, that's bonkers, right? So, you know, I, I think uh, pieces of cardboard and men on them. Yep. 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 Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> explain. You explain, you know, what's, what's your hobby? I'm like, Oh, you know, I like to uh, collect pictures of young men who are in peak physical shape <laughs> and um, you know, and it's always an interesting conversation depending on who you're talking to. But, um, but no, I, I don't think Panini's going away. I just, you know, I know a lot of people were talking about, Oh, you know, they're uh, fanatics has to acquire, you know, somebody somehow, some way tops was, I mean, I don't know. Uh, now I'm going to sound like all the, the guys that I think are tools are like, Oh, I predicted it. But again, you know, I don't know. I think I could predict yeah. that snow might fall in December, January or February in Michigan. And I'd look all right, but yeah, I mean, tops... no, I, I said it on the podcast. I think a lot of people did. Right. I mean, there was literally, nowhere else for fanatics to go it was just a natural play and like you said if uh you know if you woke up this morning you could have predicted that they're gonna try to uh, acquire tops you know, yep. why would they not so no i mean that's that's right with this one um panini you know is the other big player here right but they don't have the, you know they didn't have as much to lose as tops in terms of timing and waiting out the loss of their um, loss of the licenses. Right. Um, Because there was going to be a break between the players associations and the leagues on a couple of them. And tops already took a big hit with the IPO failing. And so, you know, Panini's got some time with it. Uh, They're going to be, they're going to be around. They're going to keep producing it. I think the question is going to be, how do they behave right with, with regard to, you know, one of the things we all talk about, or we've talked about um, 
sometimes positively, sometimes negatively, is production, right? When you look at the amount that Panini has ramped up in production across the across all sports, across all their products, right? Um, you know, are they going to try to take another bigger bite and simply do that by producing more? I mean, they may. I think it's a mistake because, you know, for the for you and me and people who are around our age, we you know we collected in we under we know what the junk wax era, you know, is was, and right. I mean, I don't know. I I think they'd run themselves into a really bad spot if they decided to, um, you know, junk wax their products more, uh, but. I don't know. I mean, it, it depends on where their heads are at after that five-year landing cycle, right? Where what do they what do they see their um, what do they see their niches being then? Um, and that's that's an interesting piece. But Panini was a big ass company before they came in and got the the licensing for football and basketball. I mean, right. they did really well internationally on I mean, well, candy and and um you know other sports cards and the the um stickers really was what they were were big for right so right I, you know i don't think we're gonna see anything happen with them anytime soon you know i, I think just, go ahead I think what do you a, well, well i just think it's it's not scary it, it could get scary but like uh you know, you said junk wax, and obviously it makes me laugh because when people complain about centering and the cut of cards, <laughs> never never opened any cards in the junk wax era or oh. didn't grow up when we did. Because I, I, I think I told this story before, but like I, I recently found a bunch of cards I had as a kid that were like my pride and joy. So I, I was a huge Bo Jackson fan. Um, oh, as you should be. So, uh, and then, you know, I was a Raiders fan as a kid. I still like the Raiders, but I, I root for the Jags because they're my hometown team. And, uh, but anyway, so I, I started looking at all these cards that I bought as a kid from card shows. And my first thought was all these motherfuckers ripped me off. Like, I have like, a ha like Howie Long rookie cards and they're like diagonal cut. Like there's not even a straight cut on the card anywhere. And I'm like, no. Holy shit! I paid five bucks for this thing. I know. Like, <laughs> so, but yeah, I just—it's a—I uh, don't know—it's tough because, um, you know, it's—it's it's like anything else. Like you, you overproduce. Like even now, you know, it's nice to see some retail back at Walmart, but at the same time, it's like Panini to me completely ruined Select for me. Like I loved Select more than Optic and Prism. Yeah. It was, it was by far my favorite, but it's like, you know, the f select football this year. Like, I feel like every blaster pack had a silver rookie quarterback in it. And I was like, <laughs> Holy crap. You know, like, what is going on? So, I, I mean, I, I guess we'll see what happens. It was bound to happen with the slabs. I, I hope the price comes down a little bit because, you know, like we we're talking about the Bowman prospects. Like, some of these guys I plan on holding them long term, and I don't need to pay $200 to grade. Uh, some of these prospect cards, I'd rather pay 25 bucks. You know, you know, the eight and $10 deals not coming back. I don't think ever. So no. like, I would be happy if bulk, I, I think if bulk was 25 bucks, I'd be happy, but I feel like a more realistic price is going to be 50 bucks a card. 
You know, I, I'm with you. I think that's sad, though. I, I would really love to see more of the 25 back. And, you know, I know Nat Turner had made a comment about, you know, we'd love to get it back to $10. I, I think that was more of a uh, um, a nice soundbite for marketing. Right. But, I mean, I just, you know, your supply and demand curves right now, you know, having waited for a year and a half for some cards to get back, um, yep. you know, you just, you're not going to see it at 10 bucks. I mean, or, or if you do, we're going to be, we are going to be bitching as so wildly about the quality issues that are coming out of there that, um, you know, that we already bitch about, but uh, I mean, I just don't know how, I don't know how they could do it. I don't know how they could bring it back down to that level, but certainly that 2025 seems more reasonable and realistic. And I'll tell you right now, if, um, you know, I sent some things to HGA, really hoping to have had them back before this holiday season. I didn't send anything crazy, right? I didn't send any, right. uh, you know, Jackie Robinsons or anything, you know, awesome or epic or, you know, that I thought was uh, going to be of wild value, but more PC stuff and more kind of fun cards and things that, you know, I had the intention of yeah. sending, you know, I'm sure I'll get them back someday and I'll, you know, put them on the the gram for everybody to see and then everybody will randomly get a a little bit of a mail day which was sort of my intent to send out a bunch of stuff this holiday season for people but it hasn't come back yet but Mm. you know i I mean i'm looking more towards those grading companies right now i mean i i like the hga slabs you know they've had their i like those csg slabs by the way um that you you know that you got a bunch of and that you know you and i talked a little bit online about um i think those are sharp looking slabs um they're they're super nice the the problem and i'm I'm starting to see this more and more is uh is the the people in the the community the hobby the sports card community um they're they're a bunch of snobs oh it's Uh, like you know and, and i talked about this with bowman before right like um People hate Bowman, the greens, right? People don't like the waves or the shimmers as much. I think people are coming around to the shimmers. I'm actually surprised people like the lava. But oh, yeah. same with the slabs. Like, I was a huge advocate in a lot of the group chats and on Instagram of saying, like, hey, there should be some other players in the space, like, besides BGS and PSA. And really, you know, BGS is my favorite slab, bar none. I, I like the four grades. Um, yep. I, I like I like the big thick slab. Um, and, and for me, it was easy to go with them before because, and it's not all about the resale, but the resale value of a nine, five and a 10 wasn't so far apart. Right. And then now BGS is astronomical to grade with them. It's not, it's almost not even worth it. And that's the problem with these smaller companies. I was rooting for HDA CSG. Yep. But see it's things. Single tech. Uh, every single card I'm going to send with a fine tooth comb. So I think my last PSA um, submission, I was like 90% gem rate. Yep. On on 100 cards, and uh, the value in your send with the PSA, and these other companies are. 
I hate to say it because there's no good way about it. Like, but, I appreciate CSGD doing a hard, a hard, honest grade, but there's just no value in it for people, especially the people, the younger kids or the younger collectors that are trying to acquire cards. Yeah. To trade up or do whatever they want to do, you know, and that, and, and that's what I did. I mean, I'm not rich by any means. I, I traded up and uh, went that route, and you just can't do it with these other grading companies. And they're like, they're going to put themselves out of business. Oh, yeah. um, but but it's 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 a combination of them and, and not wanting to even come around to any other grading companies. But and, and that was like today, somebody was mentioning. Um, I think it's FCG. They do like a black label. Um, and I saw a lot of people with Bowman color grading with them. And I'm just like, if you have a a gold, a blue, a red, um, a orange, why why would you spend? I don't care if that's 25 bucks. I'd rather spend another 75 with PSA and hope it gets a PSA nine. And if it gets a 10, then awesome. And then you're, I mean, then you're golden. No, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. I mean, I, that's, it, it's tough. Like you, you said it, you know, there, it, there's a good level of snobbery and sometimes it's not bad, but it's there in the, in the collecting community. And sometimes it's funny because, you know, I guess it kind of leads me into the conversation, I guess the, the thought or the question of, you know, the taste makers or the, uh, you know, the, the cardboard hero guys, you know, who, who's like sort of the, the hobby hot list. I forget what I was, was it on um, uh, who was doing the rankings of the year? Or like who's the most influential or who's the funniest oh. card account or whatever it was. That's how your podcast all right, right. So, oh, some rival ass podcast that I don't, I don't listen to, but uh, definitely saw them do this. Just you know, stick with breaking wax here. Um, but you know, the influencers, right? And and yeah. you know, some of it's interesting because you know, honestly, the way people have followed and and sort of been lemmings for some of this, you know, if you catch an influencer or two, really. Um, pumping one of it goes one of two ways like you can either make or break it right i mean i remember we saw some of these guys um shilling for what was the grading company that they were shilling for uh it wasn't hga one that i think had like a h in the title and then everyone was like oh you're getting paid for them and you're gonna do right right like that went way the wrong way but you know It'll only take a little bit, you know, a handful of people start coming around on some of these, some of these other slabs, if you will, to, uh, you know, to make some of them more desirable. And I really think, you know, CSG and HGA are the two that I think are the best looking. Um, And I'm actually, you know, to your, to your point about them being hard graders, you know, I think this is kind of one of the topics that I, I find fascinating right now don is that you know do we want like real grades of these cards or do we want you know psa to throw a 10 on it even though you know both you and i look at it and we're both like yeah i know that card's an eight or a nine or right. you know so, somewhere i think in uh, I, I think where we're at in the hobby people don't care about the honest grade they just want the highest grade and yep. um and to be completely fair with PSA, and I've and I've I've said this a million times. So the people that 
give PSA a hard time have never actually read, I'm not saying you, um, that have never actually read how they grade a card. And in their statement of how they grade cards, it says that the card has eye appeal. Yep. So eye appeal is completely opinionated on the grader, right? So that's that's, uh, my eye appeal is not going to be the same as your eye appeal. But if the eye appeal dictates a 10 over nine, then give it a 10. You know what? I'm a thousand percent with you. I'm a thousand percent with you. And I think, you know, for vintage cards, especially for me, that's how I buy them. You know, I, I will buy a 1.5 Jackie Robinson versus a four because I think it's got cleaner colors or something that just looks better on the front of the card, you know, just because that I like to look at those and, you know, they're, they're going to stay in my PC and, you know, I've been lucky enough that that stuff's gone up in value no matter what it is, but you know, I don't move any of it. Like, you know, I think I've sold like one of them and I, you know, I sold it to a kid who was like, a little hustler at the national who was talking about the Negro leagues and, you know, really wanting to find a satchel page card. And he was telling me he was having a hard time with, you know, some dealers and the pricing on them. And I was like, you know what, buddy here, I got one for you. And, you know, we made a, we made a, I gave him a really, really, you know, I, I gave it away basically, but you know what? I mean, I would love to hear more kids who are, you know, in the teens talking about the Negro leagues and like what that was versus, um, you know, I need a a Luca second year hollow uh, prism (laughs) and uh, wait, what? I have 4 million of them and I'm going to, I'm going to retire on these. You know, no, I was going to retire on Kevin Moss. That's not the one you're going to retire on, man. Go, go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Luca's i I'm probably, Probably one of the only – I'm not on the Luka bandwagon at all. I, is he a phenomenal basketball player? Yes. Is he generational? Maybe. Uh, he does some things, right? Uh, and I think it's just funny when people – they're just – I don't understand this infatuation with Luka. You know what I mean? And you could compare him to a lot of other people that uh, win because he's been in the playoffs. But, I, to, you know, and this is a debate – with a lot of people and I'm, I'm pretty strong headed when it comes to this is like, sure. you, you got to be a champion. Oh, and just to me, it's like, you know, if you don't win that ring, then what have you done? You played sports for a long time. Congratulations. You know what? And I, I, mean, I, I think that, I think that plays out. I think that plays out across our sports. Right. I mean, yeah. You know, there are a lot of great players out there, but you don't spend a lot of time in goat conversations when they don't have hands full of rings, you know, when, when they're not, you know, throwing their hands on the table and they they're weighed down by a whole bunch of big ass jewelry. You know, I don't spend a lot of time being like, Oh, they might be the goat. Um, You know, no, I don't, I don't think you get, I don't think you get to have that conversation. I don't think you get to, sit at that table or have that dance if you don't, if you don't get there. So I'm with you, you know, um, I like watching Luca play. I mean, I like having a couple I of these too. cards in my collection, but um, is he, you know, is he going to be going to be that guy? I don't know, man. I don't oh, know. Either. I mean, for the first couple of years, he was, that ankle was giving him, giving him some trouble. Um, yeah. You know, and it's it's one of those things, like, uh, is he going to be a winner? I mean, only time will tell. Or is he just going to be a stat guy, right? Um, right. 
Russell Westbrook averages a triple double, I think, for two seasons, and I wouldn't even want him on my Orlando Magic today. Let alone no, the that's last a, ten years. God, I know, I know, right? <laughs> I know. Uh, Westbrook uh, is a fantasy. He's a fantasy sports machine, right? Or was, um, right. and that's you know that's another interesting part about you know the hobby nowadays, right? Is you know did you have a team growing up or did you have like a player growing up? Right. Um, I had both. Yep. Um, I was an Orlando magic fan really early on. Um, I'm more of a Florida Gators fan. I, like I said, I like the Jags. Um, I never had a baseball team as a kid cause nobody's a Miami Marlins fan ever. Fair. And then, uh, and then by the time the Rays came around, I didn't really care about baseball at that point in my teens. And no, then, I gotcha. Uh, I I am a Yankees fan. Um, when I first I got stationed in New York, um, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. <clears throat> this is how long ago it was, and it wasn't that long ago, but just to just to think how far technology has come. So I got stationed in New York City. Um, we just moved into our house, and there's moving boxes everywhere. Yep. And and I opened the newspaper. And my wife's originally from uh, Jamaica Queens, and I opened the newspaper. And I'm like, dang, the Yankees are playing the Red Sox an old Yankee stadium. I'm like, that would be awesome to see. Um, but, you know, I don't think I can afford tickets to that. My wife's like, oh, I think it's free for military. Just take the two boys, get on the ferry, take the train uptown, um, and then you'll see Yankees fans there. And I'm like looking at my wife. I'm from this podunk beach town in Florida. <laughs> this is my first week in New York City. I'm like, you want me to do what? Do what? With, She's with like, the you'll boys? be fine. She's like, take the ferry. Get on the train. You'll be fine. If you have a problem, call me. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Just so stay get on to the, the phone with me. <laughs> right. So so we get to the gate, and uh, and I'm like, hey, do they do military for free? And this cop's like, uh, I don't think so. But the head of security, I know him, and he's retired Army. Go talk to him, and he might hook you up. And I'm like, okay. So I tell him who I am, and I'm like, hey, we just got stationed here. He's like, let me see your ID card. And he's like, find an open seat sit in it if there's a problem have them call me on the radio so third or fourth inning was there like some people came to their seat of course and i'm with my two sons and they're like eight and three at the time and, uh, and they call him on the radio he's like i got seats for you so we sat third base two rows up third baseline right in front of third base and watched yankees red sox old yankee stadium and i was just hooked from there on oh my god how could you not be yeah, I got to see Griffey's. I, I liked Griffey as a kid. I think everyone did. I don't think anyone disliked Ken Griffey Jr., but I got to see his last baseball game. It was at Old Yankees. Or it was the last time he played the Yankees, I guess. It was Old Yankee Stadium. Oh, when heck yeah. White, when he was with the White Sox, he, of course. But I was going to say. That's so, awesome. I was, yeah, I was stoked. But, yeah, so those are my teams. I've always liked certain players, um, but they just happen to be on my team. Like, I was a huge Penny Hardaway fan or a Shaq fan until he stabbed us in the back and rode off to LA. But yeah, <laughs> all yeah, the greats will do it. All the greats stab someone and ride off to LA. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you weren't the first, you're certainly not the last. <laughs> the, the thing that boggled my mind about the Lakers, it just seemed like for years, teams would trade their best player to the Lakers to help them win championships. I never I understood it. it. I don't get I don't it either. No, I'm with you. I just, I, I had a hard time understanding that. And maybe if I dug deeper into the, 
I don't know, the, the, the real mechanics or the money or the timing behind the trades. Maybe there would be something that made sense. But I, you know, I never spent the time to do it because number one, at first blush, it was so fucking grating. You know, it was like, are you serious? Hold on. You're going to take Carl Malone and Gary Payton and you're going to go at it again? How, wait a minute. These guys, this is how this is going to play out? Are you going to get, you know? Oh, the oh. worst one for me and the, the absolute was when they got Gasol. I was like, oh, why did Memphis just trade him to the Lakers? I have, what just happened there? For a bag Makes of no chips. Yeah. Why did they even get back? I, I don't even remember that's and that's what I'm saying it's ludicrous no I think it was a bag of chips I that, that it's bonkers it's bonkers so do it you is. do fantasy sports now I do yeah I do I'm in uh I guess my wife doesn't she doesn't really listen to podcasts I'm in some pretty expensive ones with some guys <laughs> that have been doing them for years but, awesome I I, uh, I love it um the baseball's hard because baseball and basketball those are like every day. They're all they're all consuming. They are every day. Absolutely. I like the football the best. So, well, I, you know, I think it's the most it's the most doable, right? Like you said, yeah. I mean, it just it just is by nature of a sixteen well now seventeen game season, right? So, you know, that makes more sense to me. And that was the one I'd always done more with my friends. But I think you know a lot of collectors now, you know, their their love is not necessarily of of a team right it no. might not just be like the hometown like hey I'm, I'm a detroit guy so you know i'm lions tigers pistons you know red wings like somebody's got to like the the lions so i guess it's got to be me but um you know i i go all in for the tigers and the pistons and the red wings yeah. i really love i mean i love them I've, I've always loved them and i've been i'll tell you what yeah that tiger stadium is really nice oh man Comerica is gorgeous. It's it. They really did a nice job with that stadium. And I'll tell you this, I'll digress for a second. Uh, you know, the ups and downs of sports fandom, right? My, um, my wife and I, when we were looking for where we would get married, this, we must've been looking in 2005 because we're going to be married in 2006. And we were living in Chicago at the time, but I would just taken a job back here in Michigan and we were looking at venues and we looked at the Detroit Athletic Club, which is right outside of Comerica. It's right outside. If you're ever watching a ball game and you look out in center field, there's a, a you know, beautiful um, gray stone building that's right yep. out there. That's the Detroit Athletic Club. So we're in there looking at the venue. We're looking out the, the windows into, you know, down into to Comerica Park. And you look to the right and you see Ford Field and you know, I said, God, you know, we're thinking about getting married in October. I was like, we should check the Lions schedule. Maybe on Sunday, you know, some people want to get tickets to a Lions game. You know, they can go after the, you know, the brunch or whatever after the wedding. And and somebody, I can't remember who said it, but asks, like, do they play baseball in October? And my wife, who's not a huge sports fan, uh, without missing a beat. I mean, she was right on it. She goes, not in this city. They don't. <laughs> and and so I shit you not, we book the venue. They give us a great deal because it's, you know, October, it's off season. We book, you know, all the rooms that are, you know, really fun and usable because we got married there. We had my, my law school roommate get ordained to marry us. So we were just having wow. like the whole thing right there, right? 
And, you know, the year's going through and, you know, the Tigers are playing pretty well in 06 and we're watching it and all of a sudden it's, you know, September and the playoffs and the Tigers are in the playoffs and the Tigers are fucking winning. And so we're kind of watching it and I'm, you know, joking with Pam about what she had said and, you know, she's, you know, she's laughing and we get married, married on October 21st. And so we're watching the TV one night and Maglio's up to bat against the A's and he bombs one out and it's, you know, home run sends us to the World Series and I'm going crazy in the house. And my wife's like, what, you know, what's going on? And she, I was like, oh, my God, we're going to the World Series. This is insane. This is crazy. And, you know, she's just kind of laughing at it because we're, you know, still talking about her saying not in this town. They don't. And they flash up the dates. And I shit oh, no. you not. Game one of the World Series, Comerica Park. October 21st, 2006. And I was like, oh, shit. Pam, there's going to be the World Series right outside our window when we're getting married. And I was like, it's going to be awesome. And she's like, we cannot just watch the baseball game on our wedding. And I was like, all right, we, we won't do that. We won't. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so it was just really funny how that came about. And then it was um, it was an awesome time. We uh, we ended up we were on Sports Center in the initial uh sort of the opening of it that night because we had some pictures taken in front of the uh the tiger because i was a big tiger fan and the guy from espn was like hey can you wait so i can get my camera and take it i was like no and my wife will murder me she's not even my wife yet and she'll still murder me so no right so he hustled up and you know we were on the uh the intro that night and you know had a i mean just had an awesome time and we got a call from the uh it worked out real well from the st louis cardinals vice president and president and they said hey you booked all the rooms at the dac would you want to trade some rooms for tickets to the game and they were trying wow. to trade me for opening night i was like yeah i'd love to do it but i'm getting married and my i'd get divorced just as soon as i got married if i took them i said but i'm not leaving for my honeymoon honeymoon for a couple of days so i will trade some rooms for you know tickets to the game too so we ended up trading a couple of rooms for like 12 or more tickets to uh, the second game wow. of the, the World Series. The only one we won. So it was a good, it was a good trade in the end. But um, absolutely, man, that was, that was a, that was a fun, fun time. Uh, so that's my, that's my, my little. Uh, Damn. So you're, <clears throat> that park is beautiful. We, uh, I went to uh, StockX day at StockX with my son and um during the, I think it was the day before we bought tickets to, in one of the suites and uh, it was cheap though. I mean, I say we bought, it was a day game. I don't think I paid more than a hundred bucks and it was like gourmet food, drinks. Uh, it was amazing. It's tremendous. No, I, think, a great I, think, time. I think they did a really beautiful job with that park. And um, the one thing I would love to see is if they, uh, and it sounds like they're bringing some of it in the uh the outfield walls in a little bit so that uh we get some uh some more home runs and bigger hitters out of it they tried to keep a little bit too true to um the old tiger stadium 440 in in center field you know they won't move in the 420 but um man it's it is it's a beautiful stadium i don't think they uh uh they could have done much better than they did it was a lot of it's uh, it's a beautiful place i love going down with the kids you live near downtown detroit you know, in the suburbs of, yeah, I'm probably okay. 20 minutes, 20 minutes north. Okay. So it's not bad. 
No, I was I was surprised though how beautiful downtown Detroit is. Um, and then I was also surprised that uh, what's his name, the guy that owns the Cavs, uh, Dan Gilbert. Dan Gilbert, he owns pretty much all of Detroit too. Oh, almost almost all of it. Uh, I, almost you all know. of it. So he he was there at StockX when I went. Yeah, and uh, and he gave a presentation, and uh, they had this huge uh, map, right? And then on the map, it was funny because they gave a presentation. He spoke, and then there's all the all these buildings and areas that were marked. Uh, and I'm like, hey, what is that marking? What are those markings? You know? And they're like, oh, that's all the property Mr. Gilbert owns. And I was like, Jesus, he owns Detroit. <laughs> he, no, he absolutely does. And I mean, it's it's kind of funny because he, you know, I've heard the story a couple times where. You know, they've got the the Rock Ventures buildings and they've got security systems and, yep. you know, their cameras. So the Detroit police have called on them, you know, a number of times to assist them with, you know, if a crime yep. happens, basically using Rock's system, they can track the person almost anywhere in the downtown area by yep. just sort of viewing the cameras. It's crazy. It's crazy. They, 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 they gave us a demonstration watching. of that, too. Yeah, they gave a demonstration of that, too. Oh, did they? Yeah. yeah, I was very uh, surprised. Isn't it wild? Oh, man, it was crazy. So are you a, a Pistons fan too, then? I am. I am from from way back. Uh, you know, my this is, this is kind of a funny little story of the uh, charmed life that I've uh, been fortunate enough to lead at times. You know, some of the stories, right? You can't, can't help, uh, help, uh, but but tell them and, and people say, oh, well, you know, is that, is that true? You know, I think all the all the 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 hardest ones to believe are really true. But um, so the Pistons, my stepfather was actually the team dentist for the Pistons in, you know, the 80s wow. and, and early 90s. And so I had really, you know, tremendous access and, um, uh, you know, up. Uh, with going to games and you know seeing the the players and being with the team and so I have some really great memories of you know the bad boys era and you know knowing the players and I've got some great memorabilia from them and so I I really I love love the Pistons they're um they're a big part you know the Pistons and the Tigers are my two uh by far my you know my the two that I bleed the most so how's uh are, are you following him this year? How's Cunningham doing? I haven't, I haven't been following. You know, I haven't. I'll tell you, I haven't watched a ton. I think come. I think Cunningham's a great player. Um, when he came in from his injury, it took him a little while to get wound up. And you know, we've been able to see. I think what what he can be. You know, he's it's it's right. still got to work on the consistency, but. Um, you know, I haven't I haven't done as much watching of the NBA in the last couple of years. Um, yeah. You know, I just I just haven't. Uh, you know, I love college. I love college basketball. I think it's um, I think it's a lot more fun to watch, frankly. And I know I'll, oh, get, yeah. I'll get killed on it, but I I love no it. no 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 anyone that watches basketball, it's like a fact. It's not even a college basketball is so much better than the NBA. Um, and and just so you know how much I love you, the Gators were playing Alabama tonight, and I didn't I didn't watch it. We're doing the podcast. Oh so, man! Well, you know I what? Even, I didn't even check the score. So, but uh, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say my wife. My my wife will appreciate it, Don. She's a Gator as well. Oh, so, is she? 
Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I've got, I've got the mother-in-law who's, you know, is big Gator fan because of my wife, my, my father-in-law and his wife were in town. They're all Gator fans. And so they were here for, for the new years. And so they all decided to pull out their sec rooting hats when uh, Georgia was <laughs> curb stomping Michigan. So uh, you're you know, a big Michigan guy. You know, I'll tell you, is that, so, your, I went to, is that your alma mater? I, I went to Michigan for law school, but I went to Duke for undergrad. And so oh, wow. I'm a big blue devil. I mean, I, um, I love, love, love <laughs> Duke. You know what? I always say it this way. I look good on paper. So hundred percent, hundred I can't tell you if I'm smart, I can't tell you anything else, but I, I can make the resume look all right. I'll tell you that. Did, did uh, your wife from Florida? She is. She grew up um, just outside, just um, in the suburbs of Orlando, right? Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. No. No. It is. It's great. It's great. So we um, we met in law school. She was at, she was at Illinois. I was at Michigan. So yeah. I I mean, I I rooted for Michigan when I grew up. I went to a lot of lot of Michigan football when I was a you know a teenager and spent a good amount of time up there with friends when I was in high school when they were in college. But. Um, you know, if, if, if you're going to ask me where my heart lies, it's in North Carolina with the Devils. Is it? Oh, hell yeah. Did you go to, did you go to a lot of games when you're in school? Yeah, man, I'll tell you. Um, I found a better way, though, initially. Because, I, you know, if, if you watch any college basketball, people know the Cameron Crazies and people know about Krzyzewskiville and people who are, you know, camping out uh, to get tickets to the games as students. And I remember my first year, I was a freshman. We were in the freshman dorms, and Michigan was coming to town in December, right? And that was when it was uh, 96, 97. So it was Tractor Trailer and that crew. And so Michigan was a great team. And Duke was kind of in a little bit of a down year that year. I think it's coming off of uh, Krzyzewski having back surgery. And so um, we – camp out or tent out for that Michigan game and it is cold and rainy and fucking miserable and I you know we're spending a week outside taking shifts in this tent and I am so sick by the time the game comes around I have the worst cold or whatever the hell I've ever had in my life that I you know I I don't even remember the game I was in there just dying And so I thought to myself, I got to find a better way to get into these games. How am I going to do this? And so a buddy of mine, you know, this is a million years ago before, you know, podcasts and before um, live streaming really was a thing. He talked to one of the local stations and was like, hey, listen, you know, I think there's this thing that people will really like. We're going to go ahead and, you know, sort of live stream the game. We're going to type what's going on and there's going to be people who can follow it and da, 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 da. And he's like, I'm going to need a couple people to carry the bags, carry the equipment and, uh, you know, do that sort of stuff. And so, you know, I, I ended up, you know, carrying the computer bag for my buddy who would uh, live stream the games. And so we basically sat courtside as, uh, as um, the, the, the media. And it was great. It was, so I went to a ton of games and wow. <laughs> it was it was the better way. But, yeah, that's um, incredible. So if you, uh, I'm in Virginia now for work. Um, if you get any leads on Duke Carolina games, I'd, I'd love to go to one before I move out of this place. Let me know. <laughs> you want, Duke Carolina is almost an impossibility. Um, I know, I know. But 
you know what? I've got uh, I've got a buddy who's on staff who's a fraternity brother of mine who is a tremendous person, and you know, I've always been fortunate enough to be able to get it. Might it's not going to be Duke Carolina, but you got to get into Cameron before you leave. So absolutely, uh, let's let's look at the schedule and find you a game, and I'll, I'll call up Kenny and, and we'll find you some seats. Or, or if you're coming down, even better, man. You know what? I was talking to my I was talking to my wife and my sons about it. You know what? Let me see how many I can get because I would I'd love to take Everett before uh, Coach K uh, hangs him up because that's uh, something to yeah. behold. I mean that's history for sure. Oh, if I no don't question. if I don't if I don't get invited to that, I, I completely understand. <laughs> Do well, listen. You know what? No, I mean it's it's uh it's just a matter of how many I get and where they're going to be. We might not sit together, but we'll get you in the game. Yeah, absolutely. What um. <laughs> Damn, that's cool. So, I, and just for the record, I was rooting for Michigan last week. I'm, I hate Georgia. I'm, a, I'm a Florida fan through. Um, I cannot stand Georgia. I wanted them to lose so bad. Just... Being from Florida, I don't want to listen to Georgia fans tell me how they actually finally won a championship. You know what I mean? So that's what I couldn't understand with all these Florida bums giving me the business all night. So. I, yeah, I you know, I, that's that's what I thought. I said, if they're true fans, you would have been on my side. Hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, there's nothing you can do about Alabama. I mean, let's just be honest. Oh my god, they're they're, they're team guys are five star. You gonna do? It's insane. It's insane. I mean, Nick Saban, what a uh, what a program that man has built. Well, I mean, we were, me and my buddy at work were joking about it. And I'm like, you know, Nick Saban went to them and we're like, hey, none of you fuckers are going home for Christmas. Cry me a river. We got work to do. Yep. And that was it. You know, what do you say to Nick Saban when he walks around with his, I don't even know how many championship rings he has at this point. You know what I mean? I like, know. What'd you come here for? We're going to win a championship. You're going to sign a contract for a couple million dollars and that's it. The job's done. You're not going home. So right? it is what it is. No, that was it. That was yeah. it. And it was the right choice. I mean, I also, you know, with COVID rampant and everything and, you know, watching some of these other bowl games get shut down six hours before the game. Like, oh, my gosh. Holy shit. What a nightmare. Um, And I mean, just, you know, loss of, you know, excitement and uh, experience for the kids, for the, the fans, for everybody, loss of revenue for the you know, for the sponsors, for the bull themselves, right. for, you know, so many things like that was a nightmare. But, you know, I mean, I also think that even if everybody on all of the major bulls uh, had COVID, like everybody, we would have not heard about it just because the, that money was too yeah. for them to well, hear about it. But I don't... you also have the coaches who are like, was like, you guys, you're not going to, you're not doing it. You're not going around your family. You're not going around your girlfriends. We're going to be available to play this game so that we can get another one of these. And, uh, and that's, you know, I think that that's the difference in some of these programs. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a, everything's a double-edged sword. And, you know, I think that especially with college football uh, being a billion dollar industry, a couple billion dollar industry, you know, these guys, the college kids wanted to get paid. Now they can get paid, which I'm all for. For sure. It, it makes it even more so a business than just anything else. You know what I mean? And, I think this was, God, his stat was like 10 years ago when they were debating all this stuff. You know, the question was, do you think Kentucky basketball or Kentucky football brings in the most revenue for the school? And 
I think the, like 90% of the people were like, oh, basketball, easy. And they were like, it's not even close. It's not close. Amount. Yeah, it's not even like in the same uh, digits, the no. revenue brought in. So, no, that's exactly right. <laughs> Add a zero, period. Yeah. So it, all right oh the million dollar question right uh, is that <laughs> all right so what i i think the you know the okay let me let me do it a couple ways or a couple different approaches to it i think zion is a generational talent i have almost never seen somebody who has the athleticism, the explosiveness and can dominate a game the way he can. I think one of the few people that I've seen do it is LeBron James, right? Um, Zion's built a little thicker. um, But, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, what's, what's he going to do? I, I think that that, injury that he sustained in college when his shoe blew out is is really a hugely unfortunate thing i was really hopeful that you know when he came back from that he'd get plenty of rest and plenty of um medical attention and all the best care to get going in uh you know into his rookie season and you know sadly that was delayed but boy you know i think people don't remember or don't care to think about the stats that that guy put up when he was on the court um like he is a game changer and i think he can still be you know one of the things that I, i really hope that he comes back and he can come back and play right i mean one of the what did we see was it the joel Embiid stat about right. you know, the amount of, uh, you know, time it took to get him back from injury in his early, um, early career, you know, at this point, I think that's what we have to hope for. Right. I think we have to hope that, you know, Zion can come back and have a fruitful career. That's of that ilk. Um, you know, we've, uh, we've really missed out on what I think could have been um, otherworldly, basketball right. uh in this this past year you know so my you know my zion collection is a pc from from the heart right like i i'm a dude right. guy so i you know i love them uh I, you know i'm glad i have them uh you know i've got a lot of them just because you know when they were cheap early on i i bought them and uh when they were cheap later i bought more but um right. i you know, at this point, it's, you know, investment wise for people, like, I think that's a won't, 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 but yeah, um, it's a tough one. I've been, I've been trying to buy back some of the cheaper stuff. um, If I can, you know, I'm not looking to spend thousands of dollars or anything crazy, but I think a couple hundred bucks here and there is is worth the risk. The thing that's bothering me and that's alarming to me, and I and I've spoken to a couple people about this, right? And uh, in professional sports, those athletes are treated like a commodity, right? Yeah, more like not even like as human beings. They're to these franchises. They're like uh, they're an investment. Um, I'm trying to be ridiculous, but for instance. 
I was on pretty good friends with Blake Bogles, or we were friends when he was in Jacksonville. Uh, we text yeah. here and there still. Um, but I remember meeting one of the linemen, and this was like before fall camp, right? And <clears throat> I was like, hey, you, do you want – we're going to grab dinner or do something. Do you want to go? And he's like, no, I don't, I don't want to look at any more food or anything today. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he was like, this coaching staff – forget x amount of pounds under where i need to be so every water break i have to drink a three thousand calorie smoothie oh and then like and then like in between meals with meals and then like he was saying like it's like a science like he takes a piss and they're like looking at his piss to see what's in it and make sure there's enough nutrients and they're not dehydrated and like you know, so, so, and back to my point about Zion, the thing that's bothering me about the waking, right? So I, how tall are you? I'm six, four. So I'm six, five, right? I'm uh 255 to 265 on a good day. That's, you know um, what, that's, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably six, four and change. And I'm about, to, I'm probably right now. Thank you. Holidays 265 right now too. Right. But like for me, um, I, I can put on the weight really fast and I can take it off really fast, right? Mm-hmm. If I get up and do extra cardio and I watch what I eat a little bit or this and that. So the thing that's bothering me about Zion is that he's a, a professional athlete getting paid millions of dollars. Um, if the Pelicans cared at all, they would be like, hey, listen, we're you're going to have a live-in chef, a live-in trainer, and you're going to do what we tell you to do because we sign the check still that pay you every right. day. So today when I saw that he was training away from the facility, but under the care of the team, I was like, that's really weird. Like I, what is going on with that? I saw that notice too. And I don't know what on earth that could mean. Right. Um, other than, I mean, so for me with that, you know, we heard early the, the rumors of boy, you know, he wants out kind of. Right the Indomitian Sioux thing with the lions. Right. And I'm like, oh, right. you know, here we go. But, um, but to me, the way this is played out, isn't somebody who's soft playing something to get out. I mean, I, there's something wrong with the healing right. of his foot. No question. Um, so when I saw that today, I thought, you know, one of two things is happening here, right? He's playing away from the, he's, he's away from the team, and under the care of team physicians, right, keeping the watchful eye on things because this is a longer-term injury that requires sort of more downtime or, like, non-weight-bearing than I think right. anybody would want to publicly um, identify, right? You know, if you, see the, if you see Zion coming in on uh, a walker or crutches or with one of those little knee-wheelie things um, – Right. Or 350 pounds. Right. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I also I think some of those Zion's 350 pounds, I I think some of those, you know, hey, man, I I'm an Instagram model. Right. I'm I'm looking good. You know, some of it's the angles right now. (laughs) But, you know, I've seen some (laughs) pictures of Zion with with other people out and about where he looks, you know, he looks pretty pretty good he looks you know he, he's a big dude he's always been a big dude um but he doesn't right. look like a, a you know a giant 350 pound no. Uh, no, no no overweight cat so i think some of that's um you know a little bit of hysterics but you know what 
what else is a guy who's, you know, who is a bigger dude who has to be non-weight bearing and is working on an injury that is, you know, really on, on his leg, on his foot, where, you know, most of the cardio is going to get done. Like he hasn't, right. he hasn't been able to get into the, you know, to fighting weight or fighting shape or, you know, playing right. shape. Yeah, we don't know. Right. Right. And, yeah. And you're right. We don't know. I mean, like, I would hope that they have him in the pool if he can be in the pool, uh, you know, just doing anything, but anything. it's tough because I, I, I did, I had a, I tore my meniscus where, um, it's split down the middle. And, um, instead of them cutting out the piece that, that tore, they were able to sew it back together. So I was non-weight bearing for like six weeks and gosh, I was miserable. So I, I, I feel for him. I just, I hope that those rumors, like you said, of him wanting that, not true and that he's doing everything he can to live up to the potential. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's all on him. You know, I hope he knows that it's all, I know. it really is. I it's know. all dependent on him and what he wants to do. Um, all the outside noise, he's going to have to shut that up and figure out what's best for Zion, I guess. But yeah, I, I think it's tough. I don't think. We'll ever see eight hundred dollars again, only because no, you know, the COVID stuff. Um, and I've said on the podcast to do, I didn't, I didn't realize that grown men our age, uh, I didn't realize that they were spending thousands a day on betting, sports betting, you know. And oh my and god! Think, and when COVID happened, I think that's all their money shifted to collectibles and things that they could get their hands on, you know, instead of the sports betting. So I think that's what drove a lot of the prices crazy. But uh, oh, I think yeah, so I never too. knew that. No, I mean, it was like, you know, I, I think, yeah, we might have talked about it a million years ago. Right. I mean, it was kind of the uh, the perfect storm with the sports cards and and the sports world shutting down where, you know, the degenerate gambler friends of mine who were like, right. wait a minute, you know, I can't bet on anything. Right. And all of a sudden they're like, so what's this thing you do with the cards? Like you, right. it, it's a gamble. Wait, you mean you open them and you really hope to get something good. And they're like, right. and they're the guys that I would otherwise be rooting for. And no, I mean, there was a ton of money that shifted there. It was, I mean, like you saw it, it was, it was wild. And I mean, I do think it drove a lot of that. Um, and then, you know, people who are gamblers, speculators, you know, they, they really did, um, you know, bump the market, but it was also, I mean, it was a lot of fun, right? I mean, you it had, was. you had this, this guy, you know, Zion, there'd been nobody who had been touted in that way. Nobody. I mean, you know, even LeBron James, we, he couldn't have been touted the way Zion was because we didn't have the same outlets. We didn't have the right. same social media. Right. So, I mean, it was, it was bonkers and it was. you're absolutely right about the, um, the I amount mean, of money that people were, were dumping into it. Um, I, I can't, I could like, I could not believe, I still can't believe the amount of money that goes into sports betting. It's crazy to me. No, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to put a hundred bucks in, in uh, any of them, you know. And then you got guys doing thousands a day. Oh, I know. Hundred bucks, man. So, I'll tell you, my wife would murder me. Oh, oh my God! I, yeah, I, in my sleep, I, it would be. Uh, it would hopefully be a uh, mostly painless death, but she would take the <laughs> pillow off just just at the last minute so she could look me in the eye and tell me about it, and then I'd be done. But oh my God, it's you know, listen, if you've got the money and it's not going to hurt you, you know, ha- uh, enjoy it. But yeah, do what you, you want to do. 
you know, this is the thing too. I think, you know, one of the like dirty little secrets of this hobby boom is that there have been a number of people, you know, and it's not talked about a lot, but there have been a number of people who have lost, uh, you know, have lost marriages and jobs and cars and homes and families and things, you know, over this stuff, like dumping money they don't have, you know, chasing uh, who knows what the hell card. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it, it's tough because, you know, you can be, you know, an addict of, you can be gambling addict, you can be all sorts of addicts. And, you know, this is another way that, um, that it, you know, there's a little dark underbelly to it at times. Yeah. Right. And that's, oh, I, I, I don't rip. Uh, I, I don't even rip 10% of what I used to, um, you know, three years ago. Uh, I'm very selective if I rip anything at all. You know, like you you were mentioning something in the group chat about maybe the group doing something. I would probably get in on something like that. But, uh, yeah, people, I don't – I watch these live sometimes, and I'm like, who are these people? Oh, it my God. Crazy. Oh, there's some – I mean, you see some people, you know, I mean, night after night, and it's like – thousands and thousands of dollars and i'm like you know not everybody i see dropping thousands and thousands of dollars across you know 40 live streams tonight can really do it right i mean some people are leveraged to the hilt or just you know who knows what it is that that's going on but i'm with you too i'm the same like you know i'll hop in on breaks occasionally i'll grab my uh um you know my tigers or my pistons or whomever or whatever at the time but like you know, uh, it's also it's uh, breaking is also different right now. I and mean, there's some, you know, I, I don't always find the product I want to see. Um, right. I, I also have very little. I don't know. I like this is where my old curmudgeon comes out. You know, like I find some of the yelling and screaming and jumping up and oh, down. I'm not into it at all. I, you know, I find a couple of them entertaining um, because I think there's some like genuinely uh like fun or like caring or kind of okay right. people in it but for the most part i'm just like oh my fuck like dude i'm watching you spike these cards you've just like you've just you've just taken what would be a monster hit and you you got so excited or you know for your audience or your you know whatever the the person you're supposed to be as a breaker is you just spiked it and i just watched the corner you know bend 45 degrees and um you know then you just dropped uh you know you just spit all over it and you're not cleaning it off and so now it's going to get watermarks on the surface and i'm just i'm sitting there like this is a this is a horror show this is awful and i i can't i can't stand it it's it's hard to watch right now i'm uh yeah i i'm not into the the show as they say i'm not into the show I, I don't, and I've talked about it a lot. I don't understand the people that are um, loyal to the breakers that are charging uh, double, yeah, or twenty-five to even twenty-five or thirty percent of the LCSs. I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, I, you know, I, I've said it a few times. Uh, Eric from Insta Trading Cards, he he's probably my favorite breaker. Um, if I'm going to break with anyone, I usually do something with him. Uh, oh hell yeah, I Eric! Still, I, Eric's great, Eric. You, could you can't ask can't ask for a better no he's a good guy um yeah i think uh yeah man i'm with you it's it's just getting crazy 
no, that's it. Like I, you know, I will, I'll break with friends, you know, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Right. And, you know, sometimes it's just to hop in and, and, you know, support them because I know who they are and I, I like them and I care about them and, you know, listen, you know, support, support those in the hobby that you like, you know, I, I, I do it in life, right? Like if you've got a buddy who has yep. a restaurant and, you know, maybe the food's not the best food you've ever had, but the service is top notch. Uh, you know, they care about you and they, you know, treat you with a smile and they do X, Y, or Z, you know what? I'll go back there a thousand times over because of service. Um, yep. you know, and I can, I can handle, you know, paying a little more on price and I can see, you know, some of that in the hobby and that's cool. But, um, but boy, you know, I, I think some of that like clout following and this like influence, like sniffing and, you know, you want to be a hanger on or whatever it is. It, it's bonkers. It's it bonkers. is. It doesn't make any sense. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm actually, I'm going to see what these, the stores are going to do with this, the prism hobby that's coming out, I think next month. Right. Cause yep. that, that, that was probably in the recent years, the distribution price of that was very public a couple of weeks ago. So we'll see what they charge. I, I still think it's going to be over a thousand dollars a box, which I'm out on. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sniff that at all. No. no chance. No chance. I mean, you know, like you said in our, in the group chat where somebody was like, I want to do, you know, some breaks with all you guys. Right. Um, and, you know, I've got a couple of, you know, different things kind of squirreled away, but you know, they're kind of more reasonably priced things. Like right, I, right. you know, I mean, I remember when, when we could buy the 1920 prism case and, you know, I was paying right around a hundred a box. Right. And then right. like, I felt bad because, you know, I was breaking them for our friends and, you know, the universe was breaking them for $400 a box. And I was like, you know, guys, I'm sorry. I got to charge you like two fifty. Like, can we right. do that? And I like, I felt bad about it, but it was, it was half the price of everybody else. And then yeah. all of a sudden they're like a thousand dollars a box. And I'm like, I'm just going to put these away. I'm just going to, yeah. They're just going to, yeah. they're just going to go sit here in the corner of my room and, you know, someday my kids and I will open them and we'll go talk about Zion hunting and jaw hunting again when they're, you know, when they're older. And so, you know, I've got, I got some of those boxes squirreled away to, to do that with the kids because I was like, I am not, I think I'm not. Some of those prism hobby boxes, I think they went up to like uh, six grand at one point. I haven't checked them recently, but I mean, I imagine they came down a little bit. I know, but but yeah, it, it's been getting crazy. So I, you mentioned we've been on for like uh, an hour and a half, but I, I do want to ask you this before we break off. So I, yeah. I don't have I don't have any vintage baseball. Um, I Ooh. do. I don't know why I'm I'm I really want a Roberto Clemente card, but I just don't know which one I should get. Oh my goodness! Um, you know what? Let me um, let me say okay. So Roberto Clemente is an awesome awesome guy awesome guy to pc an awesome card to grab um let me send you one don it'll be a surprise and then you can talk about it when um uh you know on instagram or on your next uh on your next podcast because okay there's a couple that i think are um tremendous and some of them are a little offbeat and some of them kind of go with one of the ways i collect sometimes i collect for players in years where something significant happened. Right. right? Um, 
the Roberto Clemente where he's, he's looking down, he's kind of juggling a baseball is the, um, is the, the year before he passed away is kind of the last year. And I think it is an iconic card. I think it's one of those that it's not necessarily one that you're going to say, Hey, um, I'm going to bank on this and like make, make a whole bunch of money off of, but like, when you know, the story of this man, and who he was and how he died and how he was taken away from us too early. And you kind of look at, you know, the expression of him on this card and how like, I think this is, I think it's an iconic card and you know, that's one that I would uh, maybe okay. say. And then um, there's another one that I would tell you, um, I think makes some sense in uh in that it's um, they're they're interesting because there was a uh, do you remember the lenticular the ones that are like they called them three D that you'd kind of mm-hmm. move them and they would change they yep. did a set of them in the sixties and there's a Clemente that I think is super cool from that set and I haven't I haven't been able to put my hands on one but I'm going to I'm going to try and when I do I'll put my hands on two of them. And uh, and I'll send you. Yeah, let me know. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I've been I've been trying to like. Um, so last was it last year or maybe a year and a half? I I was just checking eBay and then randomly I was like, you know, what would be cool is like a Babe Ruth um, used jersey bat relic. So I, somebody on eBay had a BGS nine or eight five. I have to go find it. But uh, National Treasures game used jersey piece and bat piece of Babe Ruth. 300 bucks and i immediately was like i feel like this is a steal so i bought it and it's oh. like the coolest card in my pc dude that's it a steal a, it doesn't have a cut auto or anything but i love it so i've been trying to find like a roberto clemente similar and i haven't found anything and the ones that i do find are like two or three thousand dollars and i'm like geez I don't, I don't know if i'll ever find one but I, i'll keep looking no you know what clemente is uh, have you have you been to puerto rico I have. Okay. So, I mean, he is a national hero and that's an understatement, right? I mean, that is a, that is absolutely. I think that's why I I just, I like the whole story, you know, it's very unfortunate that what happened, but you know, he's one of those players that represented an entire country, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. I I mean, and he still does. I mean, he still does, you know, I mean, for, for Christmas this year, you know, one one of the things I gave Everett was when we went to um, we went to Puerto Rico for Thanksgiving, and um, there's a there's a shop there that does socks and some shirts and whatever, and they had some tributes to Clemente, and so I got him a hat, a shirt, and some socks that you know had 21, and one of them was in like the Puerto Rican um, flag, and one was in the pirates colors, and some other things. And, you know, I gave him that and a couple of uh, Clemente cards and, you know, told the story of, um, you know, who he was and what he meant right. to baseball and really more than that, what he meant to his country. And, you know, I think that's uh, I think kind of passing that stuff down to people is pretty, um, pretty awesome. He's, yeah, he's a, a very significant sports figure and he's an unbelievable baseball player on top of everything else. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So listen, while you and I are on the phone right now, I have, what do I have in front of me? I have some Chronicles baseball that I'm opening 
And what, who was it that you were PCing out of this year's baseball rookies? Did you say it was um, Cabrian Hayes and who else? Yeah, I've been trying to get Hayes um, out of the rookies, mainly Hayes. All right, let's see. Let's see if we get any, any Hayes in here because I kind of grabbed a couple. All right, no, no Hayes there yet. No Hayes yet. Um, let's see. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send the Hayes to you. I like these. See, like we were talking about some of this. Um, what's Panini gonna do, right? Some of these unlicensed products, I think, right. are just fun little rips. And some of them, you know, some of them don't have a ton of resale, but I think what. they're fun they're, PC. I, I love all the Panini, um, even though they're unlicensed, like you said, all their high end baseball, the uh, the National Treasures, the Flawless. Um, I, I love all that stuff. Um, I think the they've nas- done it. The National Treasures RPA this year for baseball are unbelievable. Those patches are insane. Oh my God. They're awesome. They're awesome. And I'll tell you, you know, who I think is really underrated as um, sort of a product unlicensed too is Leaf. I think yep. Leaf. They really do a beautiful job. They do a great job. Yep. And that's what uh, um, I picked up a leaf last year. It had like Babe Ruth, Joe DiMaggio, uh, Roberto Clemente. It had all these legends. I think it's called a Midsummer's Dream. So it was either a bat. Oh, yeah. Used Jersey. But I was like, oh, I got to have this. Oh, those. So I I bought that and I graded it with HGA like you did as like a just a PC. Hey, let's grade and see how it comes out type of thing. So. Kalenic. Were you looking at Kalenic too? Yep. All right. Let's see. We just hit a gold standard Kalenic rookie. These are these are beautiful cards. I like these cards. These are out of the uh, the Chronicles. All right. You got a Kalenic coming towards you. Let's see. Oh, Cabrian Hayes rookie and stars. This one's not number. It's not very. That one's not pretty, but it's coming to you. Let's see. What else do we have? It's funny. Is uh, do you know um, Brooklyn card collector Tom? Yeah. So he's he's a huge clinic guy, and uh, he listens to the podcast. That's the only reason I'm telling you this is uh, he's a huge clinic guy, and he's trying to get the Prism Rainbow. And <clears throat> I know who has the one of one, and I am trying to get it from the person. Oh, that's so awesome! I, so I have the one of one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So. I'm oh, sure if, even if I do get it, he'll get it one day. But yeah. I, exactly. But it's it's nice to have. It's, you know, that's one of the cool things about uh, Instagram, too, is like, you know, some of the great cards that I've had that I've, you know, moved on um, will forever kind of like an NFT know that I owned it at some point because it it exists there. (laughs) Right, right. There's some proof in the verse. Oh, my. okay, so I just opened. All right. Jan Mankata Origins Autograph 23 out of 25. So this. Jan Mankata yes. is a guy that we PC for my son Everett because right. we were at a Tigers game and I'll let you go after this story, but I just hit this and um, uh, we were at a Tigers game. My son was probably, God, Everett, he's 10 now. It must've been, I don't know, seven, six, you know, it's, it's a number of years ago and he was waiting to get an autograph. I think it was a Breu was coming over. You know, they pick a couple guys to sign each day. And Everett's waiting. He's a you know a gentle, kind kid, and he's waiting. So he's polite. I hope that's what I've tried to teach him to be. And he's waiting. And some guy who's like you know your age or my age, who's got you know his professional book of getting shit autographed, 
you know, takes a big and moves my kid the fuck out of the way to get um, a Braves autograph and and a Braves done autographing autographing after that. And so Everett kind of turns around and like looks dejected and is walking up. But Mankata sees this from behind and he's running in from second base and he catches my eye and he points at my son and gives me like the turnaround, right? Like turn him around. So I look at Everett. I was like, turn around, go back down there. And Everett goes back down and Moncada autographs his ball, gives him a high five. And, you know, like from that day forward, you know, that guy had a new fan in me and my son and will forever have a fan. Right. So I went on to eBay that night and bought 500 cheap, you know, Moncada rookies that we now have, you know, in like a special box in the house because he, you know, he did something awesome. So now I'm looking at this, this card, it's bonkers. It's um, uh, he autographed it on the front of the card where he was supposed to autograph it. And he autographed it on the back. I think he must have, he must have misunderstood. I'll have to send you a picture of this. This is funny, but um. You got a couple Hayes and a couple Kalenics coming your way, my friend. I appreciate it always. Hey, thank you so much for letting me bullshit for an hour and a half with you. Hey, no, it, it was awesome. Uh, we could do it again some other time if you want. We'll get uh, Everett on as well. And you can Absolutely. And, uh, and do it again. It was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. And this is why I like doing it because I, I just I like the good conversation. Um, and most of the people that listen, they tell me the same thing. So I appreciate it. It's, for like you said earlier, like it's this isn't a super factual, and we're not digging up stats and making sure everything we say is one hundred percent. But I, I think it makes for a better podcast. Um, real quick before I let you go, um, thank you for coming on. And uh, who do you got, Alabama or Georgia? Oh my goodness, it, it's Bama. It's yeah, Bama. Uh, I don't what's actually don't li- even think it's going to be a football game. Do you, what's <laughs> the line right now? I don't know. I imagine it's not close. I you know I. I'll tell you, it's. I, I'm with you. I think. I think I'm a thousand percent with you. It's. Um, I mean, people are saying it's like a revenge game and this and that, and I'm like, eh, I don't really see it that way. <laughs> no, no, I'm with you. I, it's. I think, as much as I, you know, as much as it's just like one of those. Oh my God, them again. I mean, I'm a Duke fan, right? Like, I like right. to watch like the favorites stomp on people. So I, I don't have a real problem <laughs> with that. No, I don't either. You know, like you said, you're a Yankee fan too, right? At some level. Like there's, yep. I love it, man. I love, you know, people are like, oh, let's root for the underdog. I was like, the underdog's cute, but boy, do I love to watch, you know, Goliath wreck David. I love Especially it. Especially when it's one of your teams, you know? Hell yeah. Make them yours. So no, I'm, I'm with you. It's Alabama. Well, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. Hey, brother. Don, it's always a pleasure. Have a great night. Thank you. you And uh, everybody, follow Breaking Wax and listen to this podcast. Didn't touch that. Oh, man, you didn't need that plug. But I'll talk to you later, brother. (laughs) Later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Breaking Wax podcast. Please, if you enjoyed it, share it. Um, Send the link out. Put it on your story. I welcome all feedback and comments. Send me a message. Let me know what you're thinking about, what you want to talk about. And if you want to be a guest on the show, I answer all my DMs. I think it's weird when people don't. 
that's another story for another day. Again, thank you for listening. I appreciate the support and all the love. Peace.